0: want to welcome all of you to our first meeting here in our new building for some of you don't know i'm dave i pastor here at chair city church i get to be the pastor of this wonderful group of life living christ followers to god be the glory huh i am so glad you chose to be here this morning they told me the parking lots filled up we didn't we didn't think there'd be this many people here today we kind of tried to come in like under low you know but here you are, and we're so glad to see you. And, uh, man, we, we hope you have had a great time here this morning. And I just want to pause for a second and just, just, man, you did it. You did it. Praise God. So let's get this baby rolling, right? Let's get this going. Let's continue what God started six years ago. Let's continue what God started 2,000 years ago, right? Huh? When you think of a church, what? comes to your mind. I'm not sure what you think. I'm not sure what some of you even feel when you hear that word church. It kind of stirs things in people, sometimes good, lots of times bad. It's kind of how we do things around here because we get it, you know, that this isn't a Christian country. And when people hear that word church, there's all these maybe negative connotations that are going on. And whatever it is that you're thinking or feeling, it's likely very far, very different from what the people who started a church from what church was thought of in the first century. When I say you think, I'm not just talking about people who don't believe in God or people who are anti-church. I mean, even people, you might call yourselves Christians, you know. I'm not into the labels, but I'll go with you here. That I'm a Christian, even the way you think of church might be so far from what those who began the church in the first century, those who lived in the time of Jesus, how they thought of church. And here's why. In the very beginning, the church was a movement. That's what the church was. It wasn't an institution. It wasn't about some hierarchy. It wasn't about any tradition or denomination. And hang in there with me now. The church was not a building. I know I had to do it. Come on, Dave. What is this, man? We've been sweating. We've been bleeding. We've been putting money into this. You had to just come out and and do that, right? But here, this is Chair City Community Church, Chair City Church, huh? yeah there's a lot going on in here right now huh you me we are the church it's our DNA it's how we started it's how we got here the church was launched on this incredible event in history we call it the resurrection of Jesus Christ and It's this event, this resurrection of God's Son that compelled and stirred people to take action and create this movement. A movement like the world has never seen. That's not hype, that's fact. These people who were there, who were part of the beginning of this movement, they were excited, they were galvanized. And they were all coming together around this simple idea that Jesus was who he claimed to be. And that's because there were so many eyewitnesses and testimonies to Jesus being crucified, hung on a cross, died on a cross, being resurrected, brought back from the dead from God miraculously, walked amongst his people and his followers. And this is what launched the church from the very beginning. It was a movement. Now, when I kick off this series, I wanna, we're going to go for several weeks. I want you to think about this whole concept of what a church is. Because we are not going to be what people think a church is. We have not going to be. We have not been what people people thought a church was. And you're thinking, okay, about now when we get our building, when we come in here, we're, we're, you know, we're going to be a, a church. We have a church. We have a building, and we are the church. And listen, it's your fault. You trusted a guy from New York, and I'm just telling you now, we are going to amp this up. You haven't seen anything. I right? <laughs> call it a bait and switch. We have just begun. Why would we settle for anything less than to be part of the movement that God has called us to and empowered us? Look what he's done. We are not going to sit down. We're going to pull back. We're not going to go backwards. We're not going to go into our traditions or our wrong preconceptions about what church is. We are going to double down, huh? And we're going to move forward to be part of this movement. I don't know. Maybe, you know, now I get it. Now I'm going to be jumping into some for a bit, maybe, I don't know, about 10 minutes. I'm going to jump into some kind of... Some history here. I'm even going to talk a little bit about Greek language. You didn't know I'm a linguist. Yeah, I'm pressing you. Okay. Now, for those of you who sound boring and not into it, this would be a good time for you to start checking out your Facebook. You know, if you haven't checked it in like 30 seconds, who knows what your aunt made for breakfast. You could check out what your ex-girlfriend did, who she was with last night, whatever. But for those who were into this, check. just tune in, all right? I don't know if you grew up Catholic or Protestant. Maybe you didn't grow up in church at all. But I hope what we talk about today helps fill some gaps and voids in how you see church, how you feel about that word church, and what you think about when it comes to church. I want us to rethink church today. I want, it, I want us to redefine church and what it means to us today. Because at the end of the day, the church launched as a movement. I'm going to try and say that at least 100 times today. And regardless of whether you're part of this or not, it's still going on. Because it's a movement, and movements move on, yes? And today, I believe with all my heart that July 9th, 2017, that that movement moves on here today in Gardner this morning. Praise God, and to God be the glory. So, now here's the interesting part about this, okay? Okay. The Bible is made up of two parts, Old Testament New Testament. The Old Testament is, the Bible talks about the beginning of the world, God creating the world, Adam and Eve. And it goes right up to about 400 years before Jesus was born. Really talks about the nation of Israel and their relationship with God. And then we got the New Testament. It kicks off with the birth of Jesus Christ. And then it goes into the really the beginning of the church, of this movement. And then there's a few words in the end about the ending of the world, right? Okay. But there in the New Testament, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. You know, I'm Jewish, by the way. You didn't know that, huh? I'm part Jewish. I don't know. I just thought I'd toss it out there and honor my Jewish grandmother, my nanny. If you think I was off, she was way off, huh? And the New Testament was written in Greek. It was written in Greek language. Now, there's a Greek word there, a small Greek word. I want, you, I want to put it up on the screen for you. It's ekklesia. Now, I want to just, you know, how about we say it together? ecclesia. You did okay. One more time. Ec-lucia. All right. I did that because now you can speak Greek, right? Huh? Most of you are French-Canadian. You can't speak a spit of French, but at least now you can speak Greek. Probably speak more Greek than French-Canadian, right? We, oui. Right, right. Oui. That's about it. I, I think I know some other French words. I just don't know if they're appropriate. So I'll leave it at that. I'll ask my wife. She, Chrissy can speak some pretty good French. But I'll, uh, So listen. You know that word, ekklesia, that Greek word? It means an assembly, a gathering. That's what it is. It it talks about this people congregating, coming together, a group of people. And throughout the New Testament, whenever you see this little word, church, which is ekklesia, it just simply means that, a gathering, an assembly of people. When Jesus launched the church, when he started his church, our church, he launched it as a gathering of people around one simple idea with this simple mission and this simple focus. And it was a congregation. But then but then something terrible happened in history. And it wasn't the Red Sox trading Babe Ruth to the Yankees. Terrible for you, not for me. Okay? Let's, let's just get this going in the right way, okay? All right. Ah, All right. That's rebellion, man. That's rebellion. I can talk more than you can push buttons, so. <laughs> so as time went on, there was this transition of this idea of the church as a movement to the church as a location to a church is a kind of a hierarchy, right? This dynamic movement that was built around this simple, incredible message, this great event in history that there's so much evidence that it did happen, began to transition into something entirely different. And if you know any church history at all or anything about it, it was just not good. The church went through this terrible time. It's kind of an embarrassing time. It was not anything about what it should have been. And this horrible period in history, in some way, in some shape, then and even still today, had an effect on how people saw the church. From those who just despised the church, to even those who are kind of what they would call a part of the church, it really distorted things significantly. And see what happened was that little word there, that Greek word ekklesia, it was, tr- it was changed to a different word. Now, I'm not going to show you the word up there. huh? It's actually a German word. I won't try and pronounce the German word, because if you mispronounce German word, you could say something not so nice. The word is kirch, right? It's a German word, and it, it actually came from the Goths around 300 A.D. You think Goths, right? I don't know what they look like, but it sounds pretty intimidating, right? It's where we get that kirch, K-I-R-C-H-E. It's where we get our word, our English word, church from. And you know what it meant? It meant the Lord's house, right? You know it. Where are you going to? I'm going to the Lord's house. Hey, you know, don't say that. You're in the Lord's house. Are you bringing food in there? This is the Lord's house. Are you dressed like that? God, show some respect to God. You're in his house. Me and God are fine, by the way. Nobody laughs when I do that stuff. It shows me that more people don't like the way I dress than like the way I dress, but they still love me, so they're hanging there with me. Okay. This is how they began to translate that little word. Huh? And for the most part, over time, the idea of the church is a gathering of people, as people coming together, transition to the church being a place, a building. Meaning, simply, it changed to being the church was now the Lord's house. And that certainly sounds so innocent and so nice, right? You are the Lord's house. I am the Lord's house. This is not the Lord's house. God has blessed us and provided us with all of this, right? This is the, and we will use this to his glory, right? We, are, we will use this to continue on his movement, right? We will use this place in an incredible way to see people come to know Jesus Christ and their Lord and Savior. You are the Lord's house. You are God's temple, huh? Now, you're saying, man, you know what, Dave, you really, you got me, you, you got me, I'm just a bit stunned here, right? You're saying to me, I mean, my Baptist grandmother is rolling in her grave. My Pentecostal grandfather right now, man, he, he's, he's, he's losing his mind. Where No way, you're telling me that this isn't the Lord's house. Hey, if you can say the Yankees suck, I can say this isn't the Lord's house, okay? That's what I'm telling you. God is present, and whether I say God is present or not, doesn't matter. God is present. He's omnipresent, right? He is. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. He's God. He's not contained in a building. He is not a building. He's a movement. This is a movement. We are part of a movement. I'm telling you this because the Bible tells us that. You see, there's no relationship at all between a congregation, an assembly of people, a gathering of people, and a building called the Lord's house. There's really there's a great disconnect if you, if you unearth it. It was a terrible translation. It was poor theology that came from that really bad translation, that the church now would be located in a building. The church now would be a structure, and and whoever controlled the building controlled the Scriptures. Whoever controlled the Scriptures controlled the people. Whoever controlled the people controlled the government, right? And this is how it happened. And it's just not what God intended to be. And at times, unfortunately, whoever controlled all that started controlling the movement. And over time, it really wasn't a movement at all. Matter of fact, the truth now was not being distributed around the world like it was intended to be. We've seen this hierarchical Structures started to develop. It was ritualistic. In some cases, it was immoral, destructive. And you know what happened here? This movement, which began to be fluid and flexible and out there and hitting people of all kinds and ethnic backgrounds and all ages and all parts of the world, then now began to turn inward. It really became more about what was going inside than what was going outside. And then it even kind of doubled down there. Where people started really looking at it that way, more about the church is for them and what was going and what was going on inside of them than out there. Church became more about people in the church than out of the church. And that's not a movement. That's stagnation. That's self-centeredness. We at Chair City Church, we are not about stagnation. We are not about self-centeredness, are we, huh? Our mission is to see people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So we do not want to be self-centered, do we?
1: Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I don't know who sets the worship center temperature, but why does it have to be so cold? Why do you have to be so right? Heated chairs are now being installed. This one wants a small church, but I'm afraid if it's too small, they're gonna make me volunteer like crazy. I don't stack chairs. (laughs) Do I? Makes total sense. Join now and we'll let you decide the size of our church. We're millennials and we want a church that... Say no more. Any requests you have will be granted immediately. Parking is horrible. It takes me almost six minutes to get from my car to the building. It's going to take me six seconds to tell you a valet service is on the way. My pastor's preaching, it's all over the map. I say, oh, I don't know, stick with the books of the Bible. We should be only exegetical. Okay, next week we start John chapter one, verse one. And we'll even start pronouncing that word the way you said it. Hey, I'd like this sermon to be no longer than 30 minutes. How does 15 minutes sound? Hey, anybody willing to go to 15 should be willing to go to 10. you drive a hard bargain but from now on five minute sermons it is (laughs) now you're talking me church where it's all about you
0: We laugh and we laugh and we laugh, but listen, this is what happened, you know. As we say here at Chair City Church, we come to church on the lookout for God and we leave church on the lookout for people, right? As we say here that one of our values is that it's about unity. We put other people's preferences before our own, Yes. And this is who we are, and this is what we'll be, and this is our culture, and this is one of the reasons why God has worked to us in such a wonderful way. We do not want to be self-centered as a church. That culture stinks. That culture came from this warped way of seeing the church, huh? Not as a movement, what God called us to do. So, and I'll tell you right now, that it's often what people think of the church as today. Again now, not just people who are out of the church, but a lot of people who are in the church, And it's one of the reasons why people still today more than not are turning their back on the church, huh? And that's a serious consequence for them and for us. Change needs to happen. And, you know, God already began that change, 1500s, I don't know, sometime early, mid-1500s. There was a guy named William Tyndale. And... Guy didn't like to smile off for good reason. Most of the people around him hated him and wanted to kill him. It would, you know, that would you know, affect me too. See, he had this idea that every man, every woman, every child should be able to read the Bible. They should be able to, to sit there and indulge in God's word themselves. They should be able to understand the scripture. So when the political and religious leaders and often they were both of his time got wind of this, well, they were upset. They were angry with the guy. They wanted to kill him. They bring him to trial, right? And he's standing before them. And he says, you know what, I'm going to kind of paraphrase it a bit, take out some of that old English language so we can just connect to it right away. This is what he says, standing before these powerful men on trial for what he believed was to be that we would, you and I, that we would be able to read God's word. He says, you know what, if God spares my life, gives me many years, I will cause that a boy who works on a farm will know more about the Bible than all of you. Oh, man, I'm in it, right? My kind of guy. I just love it when people show guts and courage in the face of injustice and immorality when they topple these unjust hierarchical structures and organizations. I dig that. You dig it? You know what? I did a quick thought in my mind. When you see that, William Tyndale. How about William Wilberforce? Ended, simply ended slavery in England, gave his life to end slavery. And then, in effect, end slavery around the world. How about Martin Luther King, huh? How about him, right? All these people, you know what? They all stood and courageously stood for what they believed in, came against injustice, and they did so courageously. You know what? They were part of the movement. Every single one of them were part of the movement. Do you get that? Are you getting that? They don't want, that's the truth. Martin Luther King was part of the movement. Susan B. Efty, part of the movement. Wilberforce, part of the movement. Tyndale, part of the movement. They were all part of the movement, which is the church. We join them today in being part of the movement. That's why we are here today. That's why we put up this building, and we did such a phenomenal job, because we want to draw people in to become part of this incredible movement. See, Tyndale, though, he didn't just, Stop, stop with I think everybody should read the Bible he then went one step further and this is what really ticked them off he said oh by the way you see this word here Ecclesia? your translator gets wrong let's go <laughs> yeah you are seeing it as the Lord's house but that's not what it means it means an assembly of people meaning everything you're building what you have on everything you're basing what this is where you're getting all your power from you're thinking of when it comes to God it's not right It's not right then, and it's not right now. This is a movement, a movement centered on a simple message for everyone in the world to hear This, on this that about this single event in history, Jesus Christ being resurrected from the dead. Now Tyndale was right. He was correct. And Jesus did the same thing. In the book of Matthew, Jesus gathers his disciples together, and he asks them this question. I don't know if you should ask people this question, but he does. You might not like like what you hear, depending on the day. I might not like what I would hear. But Jesus says, hey, who do people say I am? What do people think about me? Out there on the streets, here and there, what are people saying about me? And Jesus says, and you know what they say? Some of them say, well, you know what? Some think you're John the Baptist reincarnated. They say, some think you're this, you know, this... Jewish prophet that's come back to life. But Peter, you might know him as Saint Peter. Peter says, I'll, I'll tell you who you are, he says to Jesus. He says, we think you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of the living God. And here's what Jesus says. Check this out in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17. Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And there's our word, I will build our church. There's that word, ecclesia. Meaning, I will build, I will create a movement of people, Right? I will build my church, not a building, not a gathering church, not a location, not a denomination, not a hierarchy. I will build my ecclesia, my gathering of people, this movement. And the gates of Hades, some of your versions might say the gates of hell. Now, some of you might not be like me. I don't know, my mind moves so quick when I, when I, when I see that the gates of hell. I just can't stop from thinking about that meatloaf album. Remember the bat out of hell and the guy's on a bike and he's blasting through out of the cemetery and the gates of hell are blasting open? Am I the only one who thinks like that? (laughs) Some of you don't even know that Meatloaf made an album. You're just depraved when it comes to music. I know, there's some harsh songs on it. Actually, I was going to play a clip, but I thought maybe that would be too much the first day. You know, we don't want to scare people away. It was going to be... Yeah, you know, I actually used some of this album to to talk to my kids spiritually about different things. I think I might have told some of you that there's a song called Paradise by the Dashboard Light. I actually used that song. Coach is not bad. We don't distance ourselves from culture. We interact. We level culture. And I use that song. I'm making my pancakes on Saturday and I'm talking to my kids and I'm playing a song and I'm teaching them about inappropriate relationships, meaning, you know, engaging in, you know, sexual relationships before marriage or or getting too close to somebody physically and, and you're not in the right mind emotionally, you're being overcome, right? That's what the song's about, right? If you know this song, let me just try this. Take a deep breath. You don't want me to? But it isn't like she's like, she goes, will you love me? Will you love me forever? Will you take me away for the rest of your life? Will you take me away? Will you make me your wife, right? That's how it goes, good? Okay, I didn't sing it. I just said it. And she keeps going. And you got the guy, he's running around first base, second base, third base. Now he's coming close to going home. You know what that insinuates, okay? And she keeps saying it. I got to know right now, you know. He goes, will you give me some time to think about it? We give me some time to think about it? Let me sleep on it, let me sleep on it. And then finally he turns around and he says, ah, I couldn't take it anymore, couldn't take it any longer. So finally I told her, I promised her that, you know, I'd love it to the end of time, you know. And now I'm praying for the end of time to hurry on up and come to, right? (laughs) It's just, okay, I don't know, I drifted. Where were we? Okay, meatloaf, bowed out of hell. All right. What Jesus said, and I want you to get this. He's saying this 2,000 years ago. He's a... He's a minority, meaning not only is he a minority that he's a Jew living in a, in, in, a, in a culture dominated by Romans who were oppressing the Jewish people, but he's a minority even in his own Jewish community, right? And listen up. When he says the gates of hell will not overcome it, will not conquer it, he's saying that no matter what happened, no matter how many people die, and no matter who dies, what I'm saying here is that this movement will continue. That's powerful, huh? 2,000 years ago, little Jewish teacher hanging out, bottom there. I mean, he's nothing to his community. He's very little. The religious leaders, the people of power, they're looking down on him. Even within that context, the Roman, one of the great empires in the history of the world. And he's saying, hey, just so you know, I will start this movement and nothing will overcome it. Death will not overcome this. And here we are today, continuing the movement, right? just what he said we would do. That's powerful to me. That gets my attention, as it should. You see, it wasn't about a building. The church was birthed as a movement of people around a simple message and a simple idea. You know, not too long after that, when he said that, he was crucified. He rose from the dead, and he spent about 40 days with his followers. And in the book of Acts, you see Jesus giving some final instructions to a group of about 100 of his followers. He's gathered them probably on a hillside. And he's already said that he's going to build this idea that him, the Christ, the son of the living God, that he's going to launch this movement, and he's going to launch it by multiplying this group of people that he's gathered. But just before he leaves the planet, just before he goes and ascends to heaven to be with his father, He tells him this in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. It says this. So when they met together, they asked him, Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? You see, because here they go. They weren't thinking of in terms of this kind of movement, of this growing gathering, multicultural, multiracial people of all different walks of life coming together. what, What is the church? They were thinking that Jesus was going to establish a kingdom. And he said to them in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Remember, he's talking to a little group of people hanging out on a hillside. We don't know what they thought, but they probably said power sounds good. I'll take power. You want some power? Let me have it, right? What are we going to do with this power? He says this in verse 8, And you will be... As a result of this new power, you will be my witnesses. That little word there means that it, it, it's similar. That witness is similar to when somebody's a witness in court. You know, somebody's going to testify about something, an event. And he says this, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they were. And in all Judea, kind of a broader area of where they were. And in Samaria, Samaria's like and Nobody wants to go there, okay? <laughs> just, just covering all the bases and to the ends of the earth, okay? Now, (laughs) Uh, listen, now look, we don't know what was going on in mind, but we can just imagine you're standing in front of a guy who the Romans just crucified. Religious leaders hated him. It wasn't good to be around him, you know? And he's telling you, you're going to take everything I'm teaching, you're going to take this message, you're going to come together, and you're going to change the world, and everyone in the world is going to hear about this. And they're looking at each other saying, what, what's going on, huh? No doubt. They thought the rest of this world, and Jesus is saying, man, you have no idea how big the world is. My friends, that's exactly what happened. This is one of the greatest prophecies in all of the Bible, that what Jesus said right there did happen. That message has gone to the ends of the world, yes? It has touched hundreds of millions of lives. A short time later, after Jesus departed them, about 50 days to be exact, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, St. Peter, you might know him as, he's speaking to this large crowd, maybe thousands of people, and he says this, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Now I want you to listen up. There's a promise coming. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children. Here's the great part. And for all who are far off for whom the Lord is called. Do you know who all, you know when it says all who are far off, you know what they're talking about? Not just timeline Right, chronological, but they're talking about—I mean—I mean, I mean geolog- as far as geography, meaning all the world. But they're talking about time. You and I—they're talking about all who are far off, meaning you and I here today. They, he said it then. You are going to receive power. We receive power when we come into faith in Jesus. When we come into this movement, we receive power. Huh? When we sit and wait on God, we have power from on high to be witnesses to Him to this world. That's what the church is. Peter's saying, man, it's not just for our generation. It's not just for us. It's for people forever. And here we are today carrying on that with this movement. That's what today is about. I want us to look back. You know, we, I was sitting there listening to the song from the inside out, and I remember me and Christy picking that song to play the very first time we met in the cinema when 20-something people came together. We had like one mic and a cord, and my neighbor lent me a bow stand, and that's it. 20-something people, and as they're singing, I could hear the buzz, and I'm thinking, oh, I think there's a good amount of people here today. And I'm like, wow, look what happened. Look what God has done. This whole thing is for us. It's for our children. It's for our grandchildren. It's going to keep going. It's a movement. We will look back six years from now and say, oh, my God, look what God has done. He's done more than we imagined, more than we can measure, more than we've asked him to do. The church has always been about a movement that changes lives. We are going to change people's lives. I want to be a force that's attractive, that is continually attractive in this community, that people speak well of, that people want to be a part of. Not that they look down at, it, they scoff at, it. that's not the movement. That's not what people join, that's not what Wilberforce joined, that's not what Martin Luther King was a part of. We are part of a movement. When we set out to begin this church, I told Christian those closest to me, I said, just understand, here's my heart. If we're going to do this, we are going to do this to change the Christian landscape in the greater Gardner region. We are going to change the Christian landscape in this region. Yes, do you get me? And we are doing it, and we will continually do that. Because we are part of a movement. We're going to serve. We're going to care for people. People are going to want to be a part of us. Where else? Right now, this is one of the most vibrant, exciting places to be on a Sunday morning. To God be the glory. That's awesome. We are not against things. We're not anti this and anti that. We're about the movement. We come together with people. We serve people. If they're different from us, you know, if they're a different religion or or if they have no religion at all, if if they're gay, whatever, we're not anti-gay. A lot of you are anti-gay. You might not realize it. I remember sitting there with a gentleman, and, and we're talking, and we're talking about possibilities, and we're having lunch about maybe how I could help or talk with his organization, organization he's involved in, and, and he says, you know, Dave, just I tell you, I'm, just so you know, I'm, 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 I'm gay. I said, I'm Italian, you know? <laughs> Works, I'm Sicilian. <laughs> you, you get me? We are all about the movement that when you tap into this it changes lives it, ch- it changes this world it's just such a phenomenal thing to attach yourself to we need we should be attractive people who look people want to be a part of something special people want to be valued people want their lives to have meaning this is a human condition right and we have the answers to those questions we have the truth let's live it out loud huh and now we've got a platform to do it from let's do great things for god you know, expect do ex, you know, expect to do great things from God and expect great things from God. I think that was William Carey. All right, so we're going to the end here. Wow, this is it. I'm gonna close on time. Don't wow, look at that. 1057. I got a couple of minutes to go, huh? Okay. Worship team, why don't you come on up then? You've been so good today. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your love. <laughs> In a few weeks, we're going to do our water baptism up here. It's going to be crazy in here. We clap, we sing, we yell, yeah, praise God, thank God you did it. It's awesome because it's a celebration. It's great. You're coming into the movement, babe. We light it up, right? If you've not seen it, you want to be there. It's part of the movement. We meet in groups. Right now, I think we have eight or nine going. Through. We can have as many as 10, 11, 12 groups. These are people that meet during the week in other homes, and when they come together, they're the church, right? That's the church coming together. When we're celebrating baptism, that's the church. When we go out and we serve the community and washing pots and pans or helping out things or helping out these organizations, having parties for children, that's the church. We're the church. Do you get me? That's the church. We Based on movement, that we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe He is the Son of God. We believe that He rose from the dead. We believe that His death paid for our sins and the entire sins of the world. And just as Jesus predicted, it would not be about a location. There was no location. And don't miss this. The church, hang in there with me, the church primarily was not about church people. Because there weren't any church people. The church, the movement, was about people who did not know God. This was a centric part of their movement. It wasn't about the me church. Now, here's the thing. I know that that doesn't sit well with us. Especially when you just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and thousands of hours to build a building. (laughs) When we trust in this... When we hold on to this, when we give of ourselves, when we sacrifice, when we put ourselves aside for the sake of God and others, we grow, we benefit. It's for, we see the world in a way that we n- would never have seen it, which we transcend our circumstances. We change. We appreciate what needs to be appreciated. And we, become, we put ourselves right in the middle of God's conduit of blessings. I, I've seen this. We put ourselves right out there to receive God's providence as we obey him. And what I mean by the peace, providence, peace, providence, joy, providence, hope, providence, redemption. That whatever you're carrying, whatever you're holding, any regret, any remorse, any anxiety, no, no. When you're in the movement and you're considering God and you're serving him by considering others before yourself, all this becomes diminished because what God does in you lifts you up and he takes what was in the past and he uses it to, rede- to redeem you. And you look at all that went on, and all that mess, and all that mire, and all that muck, and, and he takes it, and he, and he kind of just, he brings it, and he makes it into something incredible that we never could have imagined. We would never choose to go through that, or have done that, or made those decisions. But now, look what happened, and we say, wow, it all worked together for the good of God's glory. This is redemption. It's a beautiful thing. And I don't know of any other form of obtaining such redemption than the movement. They're wholeheartedly to be part of this movement, okay? Listen, why don't you stand with me? So I don't know what comes to your mind as we close out. I don't know what comes to mind when you hear about the church. I love the church. I've, I've never disliked the church. I'll go home today. We'll hang out today. Many times that i walk around. I look around today. I'm in awe. I am in awe. Today I'm seeing people hang out and talk and laugh, and I'm in awe. Look what God has done, you know, with this kid from Brooklyn, that people would even think well of him, that you would come alongside me, that you would trust me, that you would obey your God and serve your God. And in doing that, you'd come alongside me and my family, and you would do this. is phenomenal. It has not settled in yet. And that I know, like I knew when we would start this, that because of your actions, because of your dedications, that people, their lives are going to be changed. Like the church and what they did for me when I was out there on the street and they took me in. huh? And how the church loved me. People, men, women, came alongside of me. And through that example of the movement, it captivated me. And I went for years and years so far apart from God, so depraved. But when all was said and done, in my latter 20s, you know what drew me back? Not some, wow, that's the doctrine? Or, oh, wow, that's, a, oh, that's how they just, and, oh, oh, oh that's the tr- truth? Oh, oh, yeah, oh, he always does that right? No. What drew me back, what compelled me was the movement, was the way they loved each other and the way they loved me. Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. The church was a good thing to me, and it always remained a good thing to me, even though I lived so far, incredibly apart from God. But because I saw the movement in my life, and because the movement affected me at 28 years old, I said, you know what? No. This is the greatest thing I've seen in my life. This is the most truest, most wonderful, most impacting thing that I've seen is this movement, and I am going to be a part of it. Yes? Today, I invite you to be a part of this movement. I invite you to trust God today. For those of us who are in church, who have been around church, today, just surrender yourself to God. Trust in God. See the church as God intended you to see it as a movement, huh? And if you're in here today, and we do... And you do not know God, meaning it's not a personal thing to you. You know, it's kind of like, you know, your church was you go to church and you do that thing and God's there. And then you leave church and God's not there. It's not really a party of life. It's not a personal thing. You're not thinking about God. You're not talking about God. If that's you today, we would say that you've not entered into a personal relationship with God. That he's not a central part of your life. That God did not create you to have this type of a disconnected relationship. God created you that you would worship him. He gave his son that you could be in the right place, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what's going on, regardless of what's happening right now in your life, huh? no matter what's happened to you, God gave his son Jesus so that you could turn around and by believing in him and trusting in him and what God did in him, that you could be in the right place before God, that you could talk to God openly, knowing that he hears you and sensing and feeling his presence and his love. And if you're in here today, as we sing this song. That last song, if you would cry out to God, you would speak with God and say, God, I love you and I need you. I feel something good going on in me. This is right. This is true. God, forgive me. Forgive me for the way I've lived my life. Forgive me. With my, my, I don't know what my culpability is. If I knew what I was doing, I didn't know what I was doing. But what matters now is that I'm in the right place right now to talk to you and thank you for bringing me here. Thank you for awakening me of my need of you. Forgive me. I want you to be at the center of my life right now. In Jesus' name, amen. You want to say that as we're singing this song. I love you. So grateful for what God has done in our lives. The best is yet to come, and to God be the glory.